the whole concept of buying low and selling high. You know, everyone knows what that means, but very few people can get that because we tend to invest with a crowd, and it's much more difficult to move against the crowd. The, the real contrarian investor, I think, is 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 looking for value and finding value where others are not seeing. I'm Kevin Attright, and I'm on a mission to help you with investing secrets, empowering you to succeed financially, changing your financial perspective, and growing your wealth in good times and in bad. And when the next crisis comes, those prepared to weather the storm will achieve great success while the world melts with fear. Investing Secrets with Kevin Attride. Today we have a very special guest. David McIlvaney, who's the CEO of McIlvaney Financial Group, is just an amazing expert. And while I haven't known him for a long time, I have been listening to his commentary for years, and it has always uh, added great value to my life. And every time I hear David speak, I hang on every word. So I'm very excited to bring such an amazing guest to you. And so, David, thank you and welcome to our show. It's great to be with you. I'm glad we can we can do this. Well, David, just tell our audience a little bit more about you, your expertise, and your firm. I'm a lifelong learner. We've been doing our, our podcast, our commentary every week for the last 15 years. And that, too, is an expression of uh, just wanting to understand and, and have perspective and context for the decisions that we make. Um, my experience has, has been through the market gyrations of, of, of the technology implosion in 2000, the global financial crisis in 2008, global pandemic in 2000. 20. Um, this is actually, as a company, it's our 50th anniversary. It's a family-owned business. And so five decades ago, my parents started uh, one of our two businesses, the Precious Metals Brokerage Company. And um, there's quite a story there, which which maybe I'll get to in a minute. The asset management company is 15 years old. And I previously worked for a major Wall Street firm uh, back around the, the, the turn of the millennium. Um, I'm a father of four. I've been married for 23 years. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, I've run both of these businesses, the asset management company, uh, which is which is very much a daily grind, and then the precious metals business, which is uh, almost like insurance within the financial world. Today's episode has been made possible by our presenting sponsors, Living Wealth, Bank on Yourself with Private Family Financing, Wellings Capital, Build Wealth Through Diversified Recession-Resistant Commercial Real Estate, and Smead CPA, the next frontier CPA firm for strategic investors. Well, thank you, David. I'd like to dive in. So there's clearly a lot happening in our world today, and our audience is you know, seasoned investors, uh, people just starting investment journeys, wanting to change the financial landscape, their, their perspective. And I'm interested, what practical tips or what secrets do you have that people need to think about as they're on their journey? Kevin, this is a pretty remarkable period of time to be an investor. And part of that is because there's a tremendous amount of turmoil. And this is defined in so many different categories. You've got turmoil in Europe. This is sort of international relations and Russia and Ukraine. And, um, but even beyond that, you have the, the turmoil of a, a union which is not necessarily a healthy union. This has been a 50-year project uh, with with the European Union, and they still haven't figured themselves out. You, you've you've got one currency, uh, but multiple economies, uh, multiple fiscal managers, multiple tax uh, you know authorities, and 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 there's some real problems with that. So you know you have 
economic issues in Europe. You have geopolitical issues in Europe. You have rising tensions and geopolitical issues between the United States and China. Um, you have a full-blown uh, currency devaluation uh, happening in Japan as we speak. I mean, so, so to the turmoil that we have, and, and I think pro probably the biggest change that investors may even look past is that interest rates are on the rise. And interest rates impact so many different things. But as interest rates begin to increase, you begin to see a repricing of all assets. Unfortunately, it's in the wrong direction. It's to lower levels. Um, well, it's wrong direction if you own those assets. It's the right direction if you're seeking value and, and want to put money to work at better prices. Um, but interest rates are very significant. And, and so the tips I would have is, is, first of all, step back. Step back from what you hear on CNBC and, and, and Bloomberg and, and, and some of these news outlets where you know, every little tidbit is breaking news and everything is a tragedy and, and, and is chaos. And, and there's right, there is a lot of tragedy and chaos in our world today, but they tend to focus on, on, on the micro. And I think you'd benefit from stepping back and looking at the macro picture because some of the big changes will be highly consequential to you, not just this year or this quarter, but over the next decade or two decades, just coming back to the interest rate issue, interest rates move in long-term trends. So 200 years of interest rate history, the shortest trend, this, speaking specifically of US interest rates, the shortest trend we've had is a 22-year cycle where interest rates were moving up or down. The most recent one started in 1982 and just ended two years ago and really in earnest started picking up speed this year. Um, so call it a 40-year trend. So between 20 and 40 years is, is, is how long it takes for an interest rate cycle to play out. But as interest rates are moving, it has implications for real estate, for stocks, for bonds. Interest rates coming down, it's beneficial to all assets. Interest rates going up, it puts pressure on all assets. So you have to be engaged in a different way. And again, these are big picture issues, which I think require stepping away from the micro, looking at the macro, and 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 seeing from a big picture perspective where where some of your risks might be. Um, specific tips, you know, some of these things will sound uh, trite and certainly familiar, um, but you know, the, the the whole concept of buying low and selling high, you know, everyone knows what that means, but very few people can get done because. We tend to invest with a crowd and confidently when we're surrounded by people who are affirming the decisions we're making. And it's much more difficult to move against the crowd. You know, the, the beauty of a contrarian investment is not that you are somehow, uh, you know, like a young rebellious, rebellious teenager just, you know, working against the system. The, the real contrarian investor, I think, is 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 looking for value and finding value where others are not seeing it. So it's it's homework, it's diligent effort, it's research, and then it's confidently staking a claim in an area where no one else has staked a claim yet. You're assuming that the market will discover what you've already discovered and take something that has low value and boost its value over time as 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 more people come to appreciate what you saw and perhaps saw alone. So being a contrarian investor, being a value investor, this is a part of what goes into buying low because a, a lot of folks will buy what is popular in the moment and what is trending. Um, and, and on the basis of momentum, there's, there's a lot of great momentum strategies, 
Um, but you're really just kind of running until the running stops. You know, it, it's, it's, it's like playing musical chairs. You, you keep on playing the game and you love the game and it's very exciting. And you just hope that you have a chair when the music stops. That's the danger of, of, of playing momentum. Whereas a value investor says, here's my chair. I'm sitting in it. Somebody's going to come along and offer me a million dollars for this chair at some point because it's quite the chair. You don't see it yet, but I do. And I'm willing to wait. And I'm willing for the world to think that I'm wrong and stupid for a long period of time. So, you know, the, again, this concept of buying low and selling high, it's harder than you think. It's harder than you think. Um, when prices accelerate, even as a value investor, what do you do? You know, how, how long do you hold that asset? When do you sell it? Um, you know, you have to know yourself. This is one of the, the challenges for any investor is how well do you know yourself? How well do you know that the emotions that are stirred when you win or when you lose or when your patience is being stretched thin? How well do you know yourself? So knowing yourself is a part of being able to buy low and, and, and sell high because you have to manage your emotions in the context as an investor. So, yeah, again, these are general tips. Um, I, I think probably one of the most important pieces of advice I was ever given um, was by Sir John Templeton. His advice was that you should save 50% of your income. Now, that may seem a tall order, but his advice was based on the fact that at the time, uh, the Chinese were saving roughly 50% of their income. He said, look, 51% would be the best number if you want to keep ahead of the, <laughs> it's not the Joneses, but the equivalent across the pond. And there's there's a lot of wisdom to that. You know, if if you were in your 20s and 30s and, you know, you realize you're living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, it, it may be impossible to save 50% of your income, but you set out that ambition and you only save 10 to 15%. As you progress professionally and earn more, it becomes that much easier to save a higher percentage of your income, but you've embedded in your mind what that ideal is. And an amazing amount of wealth is created just off of saving a high percentage of your income, because this becomes the capital that gets invested and has the potential to grow. What I see is a lot of times people don't save enough, so they may have two nickels to their name, and they have to speculate aggressively with those two nickels because otherwise it's not going to matter. It'll never matter. Taking your 10 cents and turning it into a million dollars is a tall order. Um, but that's the expectations that are placed on them by inadequately saving. So, so you, you save and through a lifetime, you know, of saving, you then look at the various asset classes that you, you have to invest in. And, and you do so diligently on the basis of value. We come back to value being something that is inherently contrarian. You don't have to buy real estate when it's expensive. You don't have to buy stocks when they're expensive. You don't have to buy gold when it's expensive. You don't have to, I mean, you, you start looking at these asset classes. And if you're playing the long game, saving aggressively, um, and are able to allocate assets on the basis of value, you just let the market come to you. And so, I mean, again, these are, these are general tips, but I, I have experienced uh, huge balance sheet transformation because of them. And I'd say, you know, look, saving 50% of your income, if it seems impossible, um, again, I, I think I failed miserably for the first three to five years that I tried to do that and only saved 25 to 35% of my income, which is still, you know, 
three times the national average or whatever. David, that's really helpful. I want you to spend a little time just talking about in an environment of rising interest rates and inflation that is just sky high, at least for recent, you know, recent years. We have inflation. Interest rates need to rise. The market is beginning to raise them. Central banks would like to raise them, but no, they can't. So what, what do you do? And this is, this is the really difficult place that investors are finding themselves. 2022 is, this, is, is, is a great example of, of what happens when you've got too much debt in the system and interest rates and inflation are in the picture. The classic blend of, of 60% stocks, 40% bonds, or if you're a little older, 60% bonds, 40% stocks, um, you're getting hammered on both sides. Because now you've got these two factors which impact all asset classes. And you thought you were diversified across stocks and bonds and that one was a better protection or a hedge against the other. If stocks are down, bonds are up, people are migrating to a safe haven. And in this case, this year, you know, the, the, if, if you look at the, the ETF TLT as, a, as, a, as an indicator for the long bond, 20-year bond, it's down 23%. You know, investment grade debt is, is, is down 15 16%. High yield, which is used to be called junk debt, is down 13, 14%. So, so debt is suffering. You know, the equity markets are down between 20 and 30% through the first half of 2022. And investors are looking saying, I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, again, like we talked about earlier, the macro picture is things are changing. Do you have some practical things investors need to think about as you know? As we live in this environment, as people are trying to best invest their hard-earned funds, what should they be thinking about? What what should they be doing? Yeah, I mean, I think staying safe is what they should be doing, and 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 that may look a little bit different depending on the the resources that you're working with. But staying safe includes reducing your market exposures, um, increasing cash. You know, with a, inflation at eight and a half percent. Uh, or thereabouts, uh, real-world inflation. Uh, you know, on on the older CPI metrics, probably uh, close to thirteen or fourteen percent. You might think, well, that's a dumb idea. Why would you increase your cash position? It's so unpopular that as a contrarian, you want to be looking at it. You know, it's unpopular and people won't do it. People aren't migrating there. You should be migrating there because the alternative is. In a rising interest rate environment, you you've got a thirty to fifty percent downside in both stocks and bonds. Even though we've had a correction in both of those asset classes, you've got a thirty to fifty percent downside correction in front of us still. So so taking a small haircut on a on a on a, on a currency basis versus a large haircut in terms of capital gains is it's reasonable, believe it or not. I think a way to balance out the risk of being in cash is to have physical gold. As, as an offset. I think being liquid makes a lot of sense. It seems boring, um, but I think the value of being liquid, and I define liquid as, as now both combination of cash and gold, um, gives you a tremendous number of open options. And as somebody who thinks intergenerationally about asset management, um, I, don't, I don't need to be satisfied over the next six months. Like I got to put this money to work. I'm not thinking about, you know, but I got to get here by the time I'm 60. And look, let the market come to you. And and if 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 you're playing that long game, saving a lot, allocating assets only on a value basis, then you just let the asset come to you um, at a discount. 
and be patient. Patience is something that we don't practice very much. It's it's one of, <laughs> it's one of those virtues that investors they want as much as possible upfront so that they can live the life they want to live now, right? And and that works occasionally, but I think more consistently what works is is playing a long game financially and and allowing value to dictate the decisions that you make. Um, practical things, cash and gold. I mean, it, it sounds really terribly simple, but I, I think I think in this environment where safety is what you want, it, it, it's 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 not terribly complicated. I want to pivot a little bit. I want to spend some time focused on, so this is education. This is not individualized guidance or legal advice. Um, You're not playing the part of a financial advisor, but I I am interested in what suggestions you have for people to be thinking in the current economic climate, the turmoil going on. What do people need to be thinking about and potentially doing in in our current environment? If if I were looking at practical ways of, of moving the ball forward, moving the ball down the field financially, there's, there's a lot of work that has to be done. You, you, got, you got to stop. In times of turmoil, guidance from successful investors and the wealthy is critical for your success. Subscribe to our premium content to ensure you are well equipped for the growing crisis. David, you've written an amazing book, The Intentional Legacy. I want you to tell us just a little bit about the book, but also specifically, what are some pearls of wisdom that we can glean from a very high level? You can be more intentional about shaping legacy outcomes, managing those intangible aspects by being deliberate about the ways in which you spend time together. And that's what I wanted to do in the intentional legacy is just expand our understanding of the balance sheet and look at the assets and liabilities, the things that hold us back from engaging fully in relationship. Well, thank you, David. And we'll we'll dive into a few of those uh, those topics I'm interested, how do people best get in contact with either your asset management or the, the precious metals? McElvaney.com. The weekly commentary is, is uh, you know, you can get it on a place that you listen to, to podcasts. So whether it's Spotify, uh, I think we have a, a pretty active YouTube channel. Um, so there's a variety of places that you can listen to the commentary, uh, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're looking to get to know us generally, uh, McElvaney.com. From there, you can branch out to the asset management company or the metals brokerage or what have you. And there are more investing secrets that are quite powerful for you to build your wealth. As a matter of fact, I've created a free guide so that you can be more effective in your investing. My free guide is called the top investing hacks that exclusive rich are not telling us. And I want you to download it right now. Click the link in the description below. I want you to learn all of the details, how the rich are using their riches to grow and maximize their wealth, how you can see all of the secrets that they use, because I want you to be effective and I want you to take action right now. So click on the link below. I want you to experience financial freedom. The information contained in this episode are opinions not to be used as individual guidance. As always, consult your own financial team for your investment decisions.